What is up? What is happening? Welcome to episode 120 of Skates at the Stakes. The season is finally here. The New York Islanders are back. We are back. The Islanders are back. Everybody's back. UBS was rocking and it was a massive, massive two points for the boys rocking the orange and blue. How do you like that? 3-2 victory to start off the year. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't the easiest win. They battled. They competed. It was very up and down. It was a good hockey game for, you know, the boring Islanders. That was not a boring hockey game by any means. Boys, we're all together now, same room. How are we feeling after game one of 82? Hey, everyone, welcome to the pod tonight. Um, Ryan here. Uh, we're all in the same room for the first time in a while, I think, since free agency, but we got together after the game tonight. Uh, we're recording on Saturday night. On this pod, we're going to go over our season preview, the Buffalo Sabres game, the massive win over the Buffalo Sabres, the media darling Buffalo Sabres. Uh, we were able to take them down tonight. Big win, you know, big win. It's it's always nice to start the season off with a big win. It, was, we were, we're, it wasn't quite a must win, but it was a win we needed before we got to a win we need before a must win. So we got to that point. Um, I'm excited for the season. Ross Johnson isn't a New York Islander for the first time in this podcast history. Uh, feeling pretty good. Jake, how you doing, pal? Yeah, I mean, the Sabre, Sabre fans are a bunch of losers. We found that out tonight. Uh, we were all there tonight at UBS Arena um, for the home opener and the season opener. A lot of fun. We'll break that down. Thankfully, Ross Johnson is not a New York Islander anymore. Uh, somehow got claimed as well. And we'll talk about our season preview as well. And, uh, yeah, very exciting stuff. Shout out Anaheim for taking Ross off the books. Enjoy Ross. Treat him well. I'll enjoy that cap space. Hopefully we do something cool with that. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's easy to be very happy about the cap space, which we'll get into for a minute, but remembering Ross the boss, uh, Roscoe himself, you know, we weren't the biggest Ross guys. I know there are Islanders fans out there that are major fans of the boss, and, you know, they're not suffering this week. I don't think that's fair to say, but, you know, he was a good locker room guy for this team and not quite, you know, an Islander that he, he, he was a piece of the roster when they went very far. Um, he wasn't really a very useful piece on the ice, but there were moments, especially that game last year against the Pittsburgh Penguins and multiple times against the Washington Capitals over the years, Philadelphia Flyers, where we need a tough guy, someone tougher than Matt Martin who could come in and, you know, kick the, kick the living crap out of another player. And when Ross's number was called, he was always there to do his job. And for the Lou Lamoureux trots years, Ross was always a part of it, but um, any fond words to say about Ross before we move on? Absolutely not. Um, see, I I know, like, I don't want to be a dick. Ross did great stuff in the community. I appreciate that. He was a good Islander. He was a good Islander. He was a good person. The guy played 134 games and made $10 million to have the greatest be a fan experience. Press box to press box. Chicken tender to chicken tender. And that was living in Anaheim. You know what? Good for him. Let him play a little bit more there, maybe. If not, not on our Ross just took a penalty, so I got nothing to say. Um, it, was, it was great. A um, few years too late, and I don't want to say anything, any more mean stuff, and I'm just going to leave it at that. I got nothing nice to say. Fuck no, him. AJ said it very well there. He was, he was good. Uh, I'll let you guys he, it, Yeah, we have niceties to say about, like, you know, Ross was a good Islander and uh, good for the community, and... You know, the boys liked him, and if he's a good locker room guy, it's better, you know, it's a good thing to say about him. Um, he's a dying breed in the NHL. There aren't many enforcers left, and it's, you know, he's one of the last of them, so 
it's uh, nice seeing kind of a dinosaur out there on the ice. Or it was, but now it's in Anaheim. Scored in practice in the last last practice. Yeah, he scored in practice, and everyone lifted their arms, and, um, you know, much like when the Jets gave their offensive <laughs> coordinator the ball after um, after he was able to beat his former team, Ross got his, like, uh, ceremonial send-off. They pointed, he pointed to the sky after he scored, and they literally <laughs> made it out like he was a make-a-wish kid. It was <laughs> fucking incredible. Yeah, good, good last moment. Um... We'll always have that practice of him pointing. I really need the picture of him pointing at the sky after scoring on Elias Sorokin. Probably his biggest accomplishment. And the Grink was there. Um, we only know about the story from a tweet. <laughs> there was no video evidence, but man, if there's video evidence, I'd love to see it. <laughs> shout out Rosner. Yeah, shout out Rosner. Uh, but anyway, uh, into the Buffalo Sabres game tonight. Uh, hey, 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 hey. Big win. I mean, like, Jake, do you want to set the stage for this one? You were there. Like, to talk about me and AJ's experience, we were at the USMNT, uh, United States Men's National Teams game against Germany. Footy. At UConn in soccer earlier in the afternoon. Uh, we made the trip after, like, you know, the game was almost over. We dipped out a little early. Beat the rush. We were able to get there from UConn um, back to UBS Arena and attend the game tonight. Uh, we missed the first 10 minutes. Jake can fill us in. Uh, Jake, how were the vibes at UBS Arena entering the game, and how was the first period? How did it kick off? Yeah, the vibes were uh, vibes were great. I got there about an hour before puck drop. Um, they they added like some new that they added. They put the lights on the stairs and um, in their big pregame presentation. They utilized that. I thought that was really cool. They did player intros. No really surprises there. Um, sold out, I'm pretty sure. I will, I will check the official number, but um, I know you guys got there late first period, but I thought it was the best period out of the three for sure. Um, in case you guys don't know the lines, uh, Ilyas Rokin was in net. First line was Bo Horvat, Matthew Barzell, and Simon Holmstrom. The perfection line, uh, Kyle Palmieri, Brock Nelson, and Pierre Engvall was the second line. The third line was Anders Lee, Jean-Gabriel Pajot. And Hudson Fashing in the fourth line was Casey Zizekas, Matt Martin, Cal Clutterbuck. D pairs were Adam Pellick, and we'll get to Adam Pellick and how fantastic he is. Next to Noah Dobson, Alexander Romano next to Ryan Pulak, and Sebastian Ajo next to Scott Mayfield, uh, who it was his birthday today. Before you continue, I, the Sebastian Ajo. Fall, the fall or slip counter. I think we're at three already. <laughs> shout out, but shout out, Bud Lightly, man. Yep, already at three for Sebi tonight. Um, we were like, we, we were like, what happened to Aha? We didn't really get much time in the first period. I think he only got two or three minutes. But once the second period came in, the third period, he was slipping, he was sliding, he was gliding, he was falling. Uh, but Aho is back, and yeah, uh, Jake wanted to go through the first like beginning of the game before me and AJ got there. We came in at around the eleven minute mark. Yeah, so, obviously, like I said, Sorokin was in that against Devin Levi, uh, five minutes into the period. Um, Pierre Engvall made a really, really nice play, as he does, because he is incredible. Uh, passed over to Brock Nelson, who scored his first of the year, and the Islanders' first of the year. Um, at 5.57, that was assisted by Pierre Engvall for his first of the year. That made him one nothing. 13 minutes later, at the 18-18 mark, um, Pulak shot it from the point on net. Levi let the rebound go. Thought it was Brock Nelson. I think it went off the went off of Connor Clifton, but they did give it to Kyle Palmieri. I know they said that on the radio, so they, it is officially Kyle Palmieri's goal. Very Italian. His first of the year. 
Shout out Kyle, uh, Kyle, uh, shout out Connor Clifton after all the, uh, riding we did of him, maybe him being an Islander this summer, he does prevail for the New York Hockey Islanders, giving us a much-needed goal in the first period. It was an atrocious thing. Um, Nelson's first assist and Pulak's first assist for the puck on net. Second period, really, really ugly period. I mean, do you guys want to talk about the first period first, or do you just want to go and do that at the end? I mean, the first period was the first 20 minutes of hockey. You know, they played 20 minutes. It was fine. We didn't really see much of it. Really, yeah, don't have true. too many takes. We saw. We. I mean, the Islanders have started slow last year. Mm-hmm. That was something we killed them for. So, you know, if they keep starting off hot, even the Rangers preseason game we went to a couple weeks back, they started hot. You know, it's it's good to have a good first period set the tone for the rest of the game. We don't like you know having to hang on to a lead because sometimes this team like proves that they're not capable of it all the time. Well, I mean, you want you want to have the lead. You want to have you the want lead. to have the lead. Yeah, but you don't want to just like peak in the first period. Yeah, which is fair. what it felt like for the Islanders until late in the third. It felt like they had just like left the tank on empty after the first in the second at least. They had a lot of chances to score more goals. Uh, I know, like Bar. The one thing I will say about the first period before we get further into the game. One thing we noticed, or at least I noticed, was Barzal was just ripping the puck from wherever. He wasn't really afraid to shoot. I think he's finally got it through his head. If you're in a decent spot, shoot the puck, good things could happen. He seemed a lot more aggressive uh, going forward. I know he obviously does help playing with Bo Horvat, who had seven, eight, eight shots tonight. Incredible. Shots. None of them were in the back of the net, so you know something's got to change. But eight shots, can't complain there. I thought Simon looked pretty well, too. I thought the first line played well together. Uh, I know some people are going to be on Simon's ass. He needs to be a little more aggressive, shoot the puck a little bit more, but he's right now trying to cater to the two guys that he's playing with. And you know what? It kind of makes sense. He's either making $8.5 million. You're going to try to get the puck to the better players, with all due respect. Yeah, I was very happy with Simon tonight. Uh, Bo just kept shooting. It was it was pretty cool to see him get a lot of shots i know he took a lot of shit at the beginning of the game uh for always it looked like he was shooting right into the goalie but he was always trying to go like you know five hole or maybe his shots weren't lining up where he meant them to but later in the game he's starting to nap some corners and you know he's playing his way into it i'd rather him just take a ton of shots now get it off his chest because once that first goal goes in they're gonna start coming in bunches when you get a second so we had eight shots tonight look up how much uh the most shots in a single nhl season are jake I'm interested. Not saying that he's going to put up eight shots every night. I want to maybe make a prediction that he's going to put up over, like, what would be a crazy number? 325? <laughs> he's not going to put up eight a game. But he's going to put up at least two or three. 550. Phil Esposito. <clears throat> really? Phil Esposito? Not the guy I would have guessed. I think Corvat puts up over, like, 375 then. I think Corvat's just going to shoot the fucking puck. And that's what we need from him. You know? Yeah, I, th- I thought it was great tonight. I know a lot of people want to see him on the score sheet. Um, but I thought, you know, as he does, like, away from having the puck and just having a really good two-way game, I thought he was awesome, especially at the end there uh, when the Sabres had a six-on-four. Um, obviously, you guys missed the first however minutes, but I thought we were dominant the first ten minutes, and they kind of cooled off from there. And we'll get into the, uh, the second period, our worst period. I don't think it was close. I think the Sabres pretty much controlled the period. Um, the whole time, I think the shots were... I controlled the strong word. I thought they played a little, maybe a little bit better than us, but it was pretty back and forth, high-energy hockey from both teams. They did score, we didn't score, but I'm not going to attribute the period to them just for scoring a goal. I think it was a pretty, pretty evenly matched game the entire time. 
And that's a good thing for us, obviously, because these are the super scary Sabres, the Stanley Cup winning Sabres, the media darling Sabres. They played really well against them. They didn't give them too much. The defense needs to tighten up a little bit. There was a few mistakes. They held Tage out pretty well. They held the big Tage guys sucks. out pretty well. Tage does not suck. Let's, he sucks. You're Today. stupid. You're stupid. He was fine. He had a lot of good chances. One way in here. Yeah, I'm, Tate Thompson definitely was one of the players on the ice for the Sabres tonight. Didn't notice him as much as I thought I would. Um, he had a few chances in front of the guy. Yeah, he had a few. I he's mean, not going to create bigger. that much, though. Yeah. He's not one of the best players in hockey, but he's still a good goal scorer. Look, the difference between us and the Sabres is the Sabres have a bunch of wingers who are between, you know, 5'10 <laughs> and 6'2, who are very small and very fast and very agile. And 6'7 Tate Thompson. Yeah, him, he's big, but whatever. And the two defensemen, the, the, the tall guys... Uh, Colin <laughs> and uh, Power, but yeah, no, it's like they're they're good, and then they have some guys on the blue line like Eric Johnson, Matias Samuelson, uh, you know, guys who are deep, Connor Clifton. They're okay on their day, but like you can catch them on a bad day, which we did tonight. And yeah, they were the media darlings heading into the season. I was a little like, okay, if the Islanders don't win this one, um, then they have to win the game against the Coyotes because if you don't start, uh, you know, Owen or one win one of the first two then things might get a little dicey and I won't fall in a hole early here. But I feel good about the team. I mean, like, I, I think, you know, we controlled the Sabres pretty well. Even when they were rolling, it felt like they weren't getting, like, you know, that should be a goal. It just felt like, okay, that's a high-danger chance. And they were taking a lot of high-danger chances in the second period. And one of them went in. Um, Dobson, you know, he's kind of the... I'm not going to go full heel on Dobson yet, but he was very... Dobson, he had all the same tendencies, just very lackadaisical. In the second period, um, and it kind of led to one of the goals against on our end. Yeah, uh, I think it's a pretty good analysis on that. I didn't, I didn't really watch the goal back that many times. I wanted to watch it back a little bit more, but it's fine. It looked like it was Dobson's fault. It looked like guys didn't really clear the net there. Yeah, we're looking back at it now. Um, it was kind of both guys' fault, to be honest. Dobson probably should have helped Pellick out, but that was also Pellick's guy that got past him. I'm not going to talk too bad about Pellick because he was really, really, really good tonight. Uh, it's been nice watching Pellick this year. Even the preseason, he's looked a lot better. He looked a lot healthier. Looks as close as prime Pellick we might get. And I'm very happy with how he played tonight. I thought he was awesome. I know he took a penalty at the end of the game, but you are kind of, you could live with that penalty. 30 seconds left. 9 out of 10 times the ref doesn't make that call. I'm very happy with Pellick's game. I know he got kind of dog walk there some people would like to call it but other than that I thought he had a pretty spotless game yeah Pelic was awesome I was very happy with Pelic's game tonight um not too too much to say it's just vintage Adam Pelic you know he played like a number one defenseman uh lockdown you know on his day he's up there with Jacob Slavin for best defenseman defenseman and defensive defenseman in the league um and he puts it all together on uh you know pretty big game against someone we're going to be competing with for a wild card spot if the season ends up on the low end. So, uh, you know, on the D2, Pulak was very strong. Um, you know, you could blame, Rom you know, you could blame Dobson for everything because he was on both goals, but it, it might be a little lazy to do that because they were also like little Scotty was spotty at uh, points. Um, Romanov, good rhyme, good yeah. bar. Romanov, you know, he was, he was good. At, he was really good in some parts, but other parts like the agile Sabres wingers were just getting past him. Um, which is fine because we were controlling our gaps all right. But, you know, Sorokin's the ultimate jailbreaker. He's the ultimate, like, get-out-jail-free card. 
and he kept bailing us out tonight, which is, you know, huge for us, and that's that's the path for this team to win 40, 50 games this year. Or all 82. All 82 is on the table. Yeah, I saw a lot of Dobson hate tonight, which, you know, I don't. other than the two goals, I don't think he was that bad defensively. Uh, you know, the power play is a different story. Uh, we only had two, but... The second one looked good, though. The first one, the first, I actually really like the first one. The second one. So then, what are we complaining about the power play for? If this, if both power plays looked good. No, there was one point where he backpassed it to no one. I mean, I didn't see that one, but for the second power play, they looked good. They were moving the puck well. They were getting good chances. They weren't shooting it. They were like, shoot the puck, shoot the puck. Shut up. Enough of that. What? There's a reason these guys are making eight and a half million dollars, and you're sitting buying forty dollar parking at the Emerald Lot. Come on. Plus tax. Out of what, Jake? It says it's four. Out of, I'll have to 4388. I'll have to look how much I got charged, but. Please don't. Um, I thought the power play looked pretty good tonight. I don't think, like, I'm not going to raise the banner because, you know, the power play looked decent, but I thought they looked fine. They were moving the puck well. Barzal was cooking. Horvat was cooking. Dobson didn't look atrocious being the quarterback on the power play. Uh, the second power play was kind of jumbled a little bit. I know they did have Pulak and Aho together, which I don't mind that at all. But, like, at one point, Pulak was on the right side. He should never be on the, near the right side. Keep him on the left side for the one-timer, obviously. But everything got jumbled up a little bit. It's it's opening night. This, these things will happen. They'll work the kinks out. I'm not too worried about that. We didn't have to see the penalty kill much, which was good. They played a very disciplined game. It's 20 seconds, I think. It was 20 seconds, and then... The there was, there was Yeah, we had the 4-4, four and four, which... The 4-4 four and four kind of felt like a penalty kill. I know this was... We're jumping to the third period a little bit here. But on that 4-4, four and four, I was a little bit nervous, because then you see the guys like Tage Thompson and Jeff Skinner, Rasmus Dahlin, Owen Powell. You see these guys coming out. And then we put out Pajot, and we put out... Who else did we put out alongside Pajot? Lee came off... Lee came in after the face-off, but let's just say Lee for now... Oh, uh, you have, like, Lee and Pajot, which Lee obviously isn't the sweetest of foot. Lee had a very good game, though. I thought he looked solid. But, like, it was a little bit nerve-wracking. I kind of just wanted us to kill the time and just don't do anything stupid. Have no defense and pinch. Just be careful because, you know, these guys will be coming down as fast as they can and Lee won't be able to get back. Pajot looked really good foot speed-wise, though. He looked very quick tonight. It was good to see him. thought he played pretty well. Yeah, and even speaking of special teams, like, that leads us into the third period where... Every time down the ice, it was either Sorokin making a huge save, a big stop. Um, not not one that I would say only he could make, but he played like a very good goalie tonight. I don't think either of the goals tonight he really, like, he should have saved. He could have probably saved the second one if yeah. he went all out. But, you know, these aren't goals that he should be saving, which is fine. You can concede too. However, like, you know, it was Sorokin save, and then the Islanders go down the other end, and someone flubs a shot or, you know, shoots it right at the goalie or something. Either, you know, Horvat, Barzal, or the perfection line, the second line tonight. And, like, you know, we're going back and forth and back and forth. I'm, like, on my knees for the first time of the season. I'm, like, please score, guys. Just get a goal. Please. One. And I was, like, wow, we're so back. Um, <laughs> and then Casey, uh, you know, Pelic takes a ripper from the point. Um, just takes a bomb. Like, he just bombs on net, and it hits Casey Sezika's stick and goes in, and the Islanders take the lead late. Absolutely awesome stuff. I'm going to say it right now. Sorry to cut you off, Ryan. Um, Adam Pellick right now is on pace for 82 points. And that bum Eric Carlson's <laughs> only on pace for 41. Hate to see it. Makes you think. Really makes you think. Really makes you think. Um, however... 
Like, you know, it's it was it was a good goal, and, you know, we love Casey Zizekas. But then Don Granado, that madman, you could have probably made a case to call Calendar's goal for a high stick on Casey because it did hit his stick a little high, but they he decided to challenge Noah Dobson for offsides. Uh, 60 or 60 to 70 seconds. Like, we had a controlled zone time in the shift. And then they challenged Dobson for being offsides. The Islanders, it seemed like he could have been offsides. It looks like he made it through on a technicality where, you know, the Sabres had touched the puck in their own zone and they were able to, Dobson was able to recontrol it even though his body was across the line and the puck was crossing. There's a lot of technicalities, rule book language. I know there's an Andrew Gross tweet out there that explains it pretty in depth. But, um, you know, the NHL, of course, made the right call because it has helped the Islanders. And for the second time, our big win against the Sabres uh, comes as a result of kind of a goalie or a referee referee decision, which is um, you know ostensibly true and one hundred percent correct. Fact checked by real uh, real hockey patriots in Toronto. Never never forget they missed the playoffs last year because fashion kicked it in, and not because they went on a thirteen game losing streak. That's definitely not why they messed it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're just miserable pieces of crap, man. It's the same thing. I mean, yeah, Buffalo Buffalo sucks. I can, uh, I can attest to you that. You could literally attest to that. It is... Uh, oh, a goal. Who scored? Um, Don't be Sam me. Lafferty. <laughs> the Tyreek Hill of the NHL, as uh, Luke Fox Jukebox put. Uh, okay. <laughs> or no, um, what's his name? Uh, the Athletic Leafs guy. That is. No, 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 he's Sportsnet. Um, Myrtle? No, the other one. Um, he has another weird name. I can't help you. Uh, Jukebox, Luke Fox? No, not Duke Fox, Luke Fox. It is... Um, <laughs> Jonas Siegel. Jonas Siegel said Sam uh, Lafferty is the Tyreek Hill of the NHL because he's very fast. Nice goal. Sam Lafferty's not even that fast, is he? He's, he's very yeah. fast, and he scored a goal in practice, so he's the Tyreek Hill of the NHL. Sam Lafferty's in the skate, fastest skater in the league, though. He's No, I, I don't know. He's, he's fast. but yeah, put, him in the, put him in the fastest skater competition. We got, this is what we need to see yeah. now. In Toronto, I never would have expected him to be that fast. I'm not gonna lie; he's really, really, really bald. He was pretty fast on that call. Yeah, I'm not looking. I don't look at <laughs> losing non-Islander games. Loser, Anthony yeah. Bovillier. But uh, back to the topic at hand: uh, the call on the ice age. Do you have anything to say on that? Uh, I was watching it through um, Lou's uh, Lou's <laughs> TV. I kind of saw it. Not really well. I mean, Lou was, like, staring. I was like, oh, you know. Um, I didn't think it was going to count. I couldn't see where the puck was. But always those, like, iffy calls, I feel like we always get screwed on. Not saying that the refs are screwing us, but I just never feel confident going into them. I couldn't see where the puck was during, like, he had, Lou had all the angles, which was awesome. I just wasn't close enough. But um, I know, like, that happened was against Montreal last year, and we all were freaking out in overtime when they gave that a goal. So I guess karma, you know, all, all evens itself out at the end. And we'd rather have these two points than getting that point that we didn't really need then. Monday morning quarterback. Um, I still haven't really seen the playback. I'm I'm fine with it. The NHL just wants to, the mighty New York Islanders to be in over the media, darling. Tage Thompson sucking. Devin Levi, greatest goaltender of all time, Buffalo Sabres. He kept control on the blue line, so... I'm watching it right now. I don't know. Why? Stewart. Yeah, he's bad. He's bad. Um, Both goalies are bad. Jack Campbell lets up eight or four or five at least. Game they can one. have Ken Appleby if they want. The media darling Edmonton Oilers. 
Um, but they'll yeah, figure it out, hopefully. Yeah, we'll, figure or it not, out. fuck them. Maybe. Yeah, but it was it was a contentious call. Uh, the Islanders then, you know, were able to kill the game six on four. You know, it was one of those where we're, you're you feel we felt so back. Like it was a two two game. We were begging them to get get the uh, get the game deciding goal. They got the game deciding goal with like five or six minutes left, and then we're just begging them to sit on the lead. Like the Sabers couldn't even pull Devin Levi until there were thirty seconds left in the game. Uh, that was something I noticed late. Like, the Islanders just continued sustaining pressure, getting the puck out of the zone, and, you know, pinning it in the in the Sabres' end. So I felt very good about that. You know, I'm proud of the performance. I'm proud of shutting it down. You know, the biggest, the biggest, the best player on the ice for the Islanders was definitely Pelic, and then the best forward was probably, you know, probably Brock Nelson, Pierre Engvall, take your mm-hmm. pick. They're a dynamic duo. Um might be the best duo on the island right now. Uh, who knows? But Bo and Bars were doing really good, too. It, it was a fun game to watch, fun game to experience, and I think it's a good tone setter for the rest of the season. Oh, you got to give also a shout-out to Cal Clutterbuck. Dude played like a warrior tonight. Great game. He made a lot of very big defensive plays when the Islanders needed it. He's blocked shots. Pellick blocked that really big shot towards the end of the game. Um, Yeah, I know Clutter gets a lot of crap for always being injured and being old. Clutterbuck's still a useful player. I know, like, Matt Martin, not as much, but Clutterbuck's still, a, you know, great penalty killer. He's a warrior when he's out there. and when, when he gets stay healthy, you know what you're getting out of him every night. Yeah, and Clutter, like, what, I, what I'll say a lot of the times with Clutter is sometimes he has very average performances, but every now and then, like, four or five times a season, he's going to give you, like, a 7 or an 8 out of 10 performance and be one of the best players on the ice. I'm not going to say he's going to do this every game of the season. He's probably only going to do it three or four more times. But for everything he gives you at 5-on-5 in the penalty kill, there's a lot to love about Cal Clutterbuck. And if this is the last dance this season, I'd like to see a lot more out of him as he kind of leaves it all on the line. He cooked. He uh, just, wow, it was bad. <laughs> he just, uh, he cooked. He just straight up cooked tonight. Everything he kind of did went well. On the second Sabres goal, it wasn't his fault. Um, There's two guys you could attest it to if you really want to play the blame game. You had two defensemen behind your net, which you'd probably never have. And then Matt Martin just didn't get middle stat was his guy technically but I don't like having two guys behind the net I thought yeah I thought probably Pierre was our best player I'd say Pelic was really good I know I guess Pelic made two mistakes I guess he was also behind the net there but I thought Pelic was like more made up for it really awesome tonight um yeah Brock was good I really like seeing what the second line has they have that like Harlem Globetrotter vibes to them like i know like brock's like going through guys dangling around doing like fancy drop passes to pierre once they get that chemistry down to a t it's gonna be really beautiful and i'm very happy with this line obviously it for the first time in probably ever or in a long time at least it really feels like the islanders top six every time they're out there could really create and do damage and you want to see them out there not that's not to say you don't want to see the other lines, which you really don't at sometimes, but you know, with the second line, this is probably the most dominant and confident second line I've ever felt we had as Islander fans. I guess maybe when Barzal was on the second line his rookie year and they had Tavares and but they were losing every game, so it's like who cares? Yeah, I mean maybe in the playoffs when, you know, Barz when when they had the Killer Bees line, the Beauvillier Brock and uh you know, Bailey line. That felt good. That's like the best I felt about line chemistry. That line in the playoffs in 2021. That's the closest thing I felt to what this Engvall, you know, um, Engvall Nelson Palmieri line is. 
Like, they're just, instead of doing it in the playoffs in a very small sample size, every time these guys are paired together, they absolutely light the world on fire, and they have really good chemistry. They're doing drop passes. Like, I've never even seen an Islanders line where the chemistry is good enough where, you know, they could make a no-look pass. They, they have killer chemistry, the three guys. And they're all from crazy different backgrounds. I mean, Brock Nelson's a lifelong New York Islander. Palmieri's been on the team for a while, but he's been, you know, he's been best next to Brock, but... You know, he's most known for being a New Jersey Devil still. He's still most known for being an Anaheim Duck. He's had a long career outside. He's kind of traveled around the league and been a guy who's seen on the other side of a career where he was a top 20 winger at a point. Um, and Pierre Engvall is a seventh-round pick who is homegrown by the Leafs and was plugged into a fourth and a third-line role over the years. And his first time in the top six, he's absolutely shining, and his star is so bright in this league. Like, Pierre Engvall does so many special things out there with the puck, and also dispossessing the puck, winning it up high on the ice. Um, really special player, and I, w- I really wish he was an Islander sooner, because I love having this guy on the team. Seven more years. Seven more years. Let's go, baby. It's night and day walking in 18, just every time he's out there, make something happen. Where we had Beauvillier, who, he had his moments, obviously, don't get me wrong, he scored some very big goals for the team. Some shifts he would just take off, he wouldn't do great. If he wasn't being Energizer Bunny Bow, it was Dead Bunny Bow. Run over Bunny Bow. Spot on, brother. R- Roadkill Bow. Pierre Engvall, it's night and day. I didn't want to get too high on him too early, but after tonight's performance, I'm very excited. He looked great. He looked awesome. Every time he's out there, like Ryan was saying, he's a monster. He's a demon for checking that puck, winning the puck back, making it, making life for the defenseman hell. I love that from the guy. There's going to be a bad performance eventually, but I'm still waiting to see it. Engvall's just nope. been so good so far. It doesn't exist in my book. It, it hasn't happened yet, and you know maybe after a couple a couple of uh, weeks we'll have one bad Engvall game. But, um, you know, brother does not miss, as the Twitter bird people say. Yeah, he was the, – obviously the first goal doesn't happen without Pierre Engvall getting the puck back um, to Brock Nelson. And just all game he was, he was awesome. I mean, we got seven more years of the guy at $3 million, which is great. I thought Palmieri was was good. Um, made a lot of moves. Um, nothing really happened after that, but he did get a goal, uh, so that's good for him. Starting off hot, happy he's healthy. Obviously, uh, we didn't know he'd be healthy a few weeks ago. What are you pointing at? Never mind. Um, <laughs> yeah, never mind. I'm, I must have been bugging. It said the Oilers had a seven-minute power play. The um, Oilers. And I thought Jake could have seen it without having to mention it on the pod. So. Um, nope, you guys need to know about it. Yeah, you guys need to know that uh, I was pointing at the Oilers. I had a seven-minute power play that Sportsnet corrected to a two-minute. Uh, but anyway, yeah, back to the perfection line. Yeah, love these guys. They're awesome. Still, Lee and Pajot and Fashing, they didn't get much time together in preseason. Still looks like they're working out the kinks. Um, as the third period came along, they started to put stuff together, which is good. I like that line. Um, we'll see how long it lasts. Lee did some really good stuff four on four with possessing the puck. That's something AJ I know beats the drama on a lot. Is just holding the puck when you're in a four on four situation. We did a good job with that. Was very happy with it. Uh, fourth line, you know, we talked enough about Cal. Martin was bad, you know, as the rap Martin guy. Feel bad. Um, feels bad, man. But yeah, really like, um, you know, really like Casey's game. Really like Clutter's game. And then on the defense, we kind of. As the game went on, they most of the performance were fine. Dobson has a lot to give more, but I think it was just a bad night for him. I don't like hearing that night one, but yeah, I agree with mostly everything. Um, the other thing I do want to mention is this team doesn't look like they really need number 26 as bad as some people might want him out there. They really don't look like Fashing played well. 
I don't think anyone's going to play that Thatching's game. They don't really need Oliver Wallstrom. Who is he going to take out? You're not putting him on the second line. You're not putting him on the third line. He's not a fourth line player. The writing might be on the wall here for this one. I don't see him taking out Simon Holmstrom either. I don't think we could really upgrade and get a better guy than Simon Holmstrom by trading Oliver Wallstrom at this point if we can. God bless Lou. Who are we going to get though? You think we're going to be able to sell spare parts to the Vancouver Canucks for Connor Garland? And I don't even think we can take on that cap. No. Even no with, we, we need Arizona or like Anaheim to take on cap or Chicago. It's just not looking great for Oliver Walsh. It looks starting to look like the writing's a bit on the wall. I know he's still coming back from his injury. I know Wayne said today that he has a fair shot to play just like Julian Gauthier. And he's still getting, you know, still coming back, but... I don't see him winning a battle out of him, Simon Holmstrom, or Julian Gauthier. I just don't, because Gauthier's getting that spot over him. Oh, yeah. Um, he doesn't deserve to play. I mean, I know he's been kind of just trying to get back to game speed, but he doesn't deserve to play over anyone in the lineup right now. He doesn't deserve to play over Gauthier either. I think you could put Gauthier in the bottom six if it needs some speed. Um, so that might come in the next week, next two weeks, but Oliver Washington doesn't. <laughs> Oliver Washington doesn't deserve to be in the lineup. We said that last week. Uh, it was true then. It was true now. Um, I don't know what's next for him. I guess he just has to keep working. And um, we'll go from there. But, yeah, I think if anyone just coming out of the press box in the lineup, it should be Julian Gauthier. Yeah, after reading the uh, money puck, now I'm finding out the third line was the worst performance on uh, I didn't think they were that good. I didn't think they were that bad. Um, you know, they're still growing. Not good defensively yet. Pagano looked like he was holding back a little bit. But, you know, we'll, we'll move forward with the season. Um, let's move into the season preview um, if we don't have anything else to say. Yeah, I think I'm kind of sad. Yeah, I'm yeah sad. Uh, We'll talk about the next two games coming up after this. But time to go into our season preview. So normally most podcasts brought you previews the past week. You could think you could take our entire summer as a season preview. Uh, we kind of beat the drum on the team, covered every aspect over the summer. So we're just going to go and do a quick exercise. First, we're going to say where we predict the Islanders to finish, how many points we think they're going to have, and then we're going to drop three hot takes each for the season and then call that our season preview as you can take our whole summer backlog if you want to hear pro player breakdowns and positions and camp battles and all that stuff we we, we beat the drum and beating all these horses to death so uh let's start off with aj aj how many points are the islanders going to get this season and where are they going to finish in the metro uh, i think maybe it definitely a little bit biased here i think we'll get third i don't know if we'll be able to pass the scary devils and the scary canes i think we get third and i'll say 103 points you want me to go? Yep. Okay, I'm going to go 102, and they'll get third. Um, I don't think the Penguins and the Rangers will pass us. I think Devils, Canes, obviously, one and two. Or you can switch that order around. But I think the Islanders are the third best team in the Metro, and I think that'll hold up well at 103 points. Did you say that? You yeah. Said, okay, 102. Yeah, and this is the, I'm just going with the numbers in my head. It's going to sound funny, but I have them at 101 points. Uh, you know, you lose Beauvillier and you lose Bailey from last year's opening lineup. Lose. Kiefer Bellows, uh, perhaps Oliver Wallstrom. We'll see how that Sorry. situation Hey, goes. hey, hey, remember Nikita Sashnikov. Nikita Sashnikov. But you have a more stable lineup at this point number. of the season. Yeah, well, well, we could talk about Zach later. But, um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, we have kind of a situation now where we've replaced these guys who were below 
you know, below replacement level at that point in their career with players who are actually pretty good at hockey and Pierre Engel, Bo Horvat, um, and some of the additional depth, Hudson Fashing, Julian Godier. So we'll see. I mean, I, I think the team's better off. I have them third in the division behind the Canes and the Devils. I think they might be close with the Devils for a second, but we'll see how it plays out. Um, three hot takes we could go into. Uh, AJ, do you have anything before we move on? Uh, well, I was going to give off my first hot take, and my first hot take is that Bo Horvat and Matthew Barzal will both have the highest amount of shots both have ever taken in their career. Both of them will exceed their career-high shots. This season. Sounds good, Jake. Your first hot take. I've been saying this all summer. Pierre Engvall will get 60 points this year. He's already on pace for 82. So. Yeah, good good, That's... good runway there. Um, my first prediction of the season is, I guess, that Hudson... Uh, actually, I'll go with kind of a softer one to start. But um, we'll go with Ilya Sorokin's winning the Vesna Trophy. For the Islanders to make the playoffs, he, he was robbed of the Vesna last year. I think they're going to give him a makeup Vesna this year because I think, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, but they probably should have given it to him last year over Allmark. So I'm going with Elias Sorokin wins the Vesna. I know this is the take everyone has. It infuriates me when people in their previews had this take and then they were like, the Islanders have missed the playoffs, but Sorokin wins the Vesna. Those things don't happen separately. Sorokin, if he wins the Vesna, the Islanders make the playoffs. He's not winning the Vesna if they don't make the playoffs. No. Even and- he shouldn't. Even Midgore said he should have won. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, Allmark. His butt if, buddy. If you, put him on a, <laughs> if you put him on a lie detector, Allmark would probably say that, um... He does not deserve he, it. He doesn't deserve no. it. He scored a goal, though! Yay! Yeah. Um, yeah, goal goals <clears> don't count. <throat> QB wins that stat. Uh, but anyway, yeah, just... That's it on, uh, my first hot take. AJ, for, to you for your second. Uh, number two, Brock Nelson will put up 50 goals this year. Wow. wow I mean, you know. He's on pace. He's, he's on pace for 82 right now. He should have probably had two tonight. Definitely could have had two or three tonight, not not counting the one that Palmieri got from him. Brock had a really good shot, a uh, really good chance in front of the net, and he kind of whiffed it. He usually puts that back back in the net eight out of ten times. I was going to say 45, but we're going to do hot takes. Might as well make it 50. I think Brock puts up 45. He's definitely at 40 this year, though. So I said, screw it. You know what? 50. Yep. Sounds good. Set the bar high. Jake, your second one. I think Gautier replaces Martin um, next month. I think he'll be a more consistent part of the fourth line. Well, they'll kind of shape Martin out. I don't think they'll shape quarterback out unless the inevitable quarterback injury happens. But for right now, he's healthy. And he, you know, he's proved that he should, he deserves to be in the fourth line this year. But, you know, I think Martin will get kind of phased out in a month or two for Julian Gautier. Yep, even though it isn't looking good today, Barzal and Horvat both being point per game. First time two Islanders are point per game since the 2018 or 17-18 season where Tavares and Barzal were both uh, point per game. I think Horvat and Barzal are going to work it out eventually. Uh, we'll see how they play against the Yotes on Tuesday, but I, you know, I think they'll be fine, and um, I think they're going to take a step forward. And yeah, that that's kind of my predict or my hot take there. Uh, my last and final hot take is that. Uh, Sebastian Ajo, I had to really think about it for a second. Sebastian Ajo will be the guy, the quarterback on power play one, 55 games into the season. I just had a random number in my head. I think if things don't work on the power play, I think their first change is really going to switching it up from Ajo to Dobson. I think Ajo could do a fine job there. We were kind of advocating for him to get a fair shot at it during training camp. 
I think it'd be fine. I, I don't mind Aho being the power play quarterback if he's even still, you know, the guy by then, and maybe they bring someone else in. But I think Aho will be fine. I think he could really take that role. Maybe not. He's not going to be a world beater there, but I think he could do as good of a job as Dobson and maybe calm everyone down a little bit instead of Dobson freaking out and panicking sometimes. Dobson looked fine on the power play tonight, though, so I can't really complain too much. It's just a hot take here. This might be a little out of left field. I just picked a player and went with it. I think Ryan Pulak gets his career high in points with 40 points this year. Didn't really get power play two time last year. He was on it today. Uh, two defensemen on the second power play unit. Um, and I think 40 points is attainable. I think with the time he gets, uh, he starts hitting the net on the power play. He stays on the power play. And when he does on 5v5, I think 40 points is a little attainable. His career high is 37, uh, which he had in 2018-19 in the full season. He also had 35 the year later in 68 games. So and maybe he hits 40. Yeah, my final hot take uh, for the season is the Islanders will make a trade at the trade deadline but not trade their first-round pick this year. It's been four years. I think they're going to pick in the first round, even though they keep finding good depth in the draft or, you know, proposed good draft. Uh, you know, Atu Ratu was a first-round pick equivalent for the Vancouver Canucks, even though he's making the train ride to Abbotsford on a daily basis. But, you know, they're finding good value in the later rounds of the draft, but I think they're going to... Make a trade, but they're going to trade a second-round pick or a future first, and I think they retain their first-round pick this year and make that pick. Um, <laughs> or maybe trade it at the draft. Who, who knows? But, you know, we'll, we'll see just at the moment. I think they're not going to trade their first-round pick at the deadline this year. But with Trader Lou, you never know. And I would even go as far as to say Lou would make one trade before the end of 2023. I wouldn't say it's a hot take. What, oh, at the end of 2023, my yeah, apologies. Yeah, before the end of December. Um, yeah, it's a hot take. I don't think it happens unless we really get a winger. There's a lot of guys whose names floating out there. I wouldn't be surprised if Lou goes in on him. Connor Garland. Yeah, they waived They waived <laughs> Ross Johnson to talk about that cap space. They waived Ross for a reason. They opened up a million dollars of cap space. They could have let Ross hang on the roster um, with the IR situation and everything. They could have figured that out. However, they just decided to cut ta- or cut the cord with Ross and just do it early. Well, aren't they also going to be doing the same thing with Simon Holmes from this year, sending him down every off day to a crew cap? They yeah, they could, but that's just being good with the cap. Like that. Yeah, no, that's you, a good you, thing. You make paper transactions when you could. Ross wasn't a paper transaction. That was the transaction yeah, to get. I'm just saying on top of doing. Yeah, Ross. yeah, yeah, they're gonna accrue cap space. Like Lewis Gunn, very good at this. Like. You know, everyone Everyone mm-hmm. makes, uh, there was a good um, segment on, I think it was Kipper and Bourne I listened to a few months ago, about how everyone's a capologist and how they work with calculators and every GM has to be a cap guru at this point. But like Lou has become, or whoever in the Islanders front office is good with this stuff, has gotten very good at it because the Islanders are able to take one or two million dollars of cap space to be in the season and accrue like six million dollars out of it uh, by the trade deadline and they'll fit a guy like, you know, probably not like a Bo Horvat level acquisition, but if they need like a final piece on the first line, um, you can make that trade at the deadline. So we'll see. Very optimistic about the team right now, which kind of influenced my hot takes. But I think that Lou will make a move if needed, because uh, there is some still some you know unclarity around John, or unclarity around Wallstrom and what what the first line's gonna look like in the long run. Yeah, I think that actually the twenty twenty three trade takes a good idea. They even might just try to send Wallstrom out for like a later draft pick, which would suck. I'd like to see him used and maybe get a first-line winger. 
I'm cool with Simon, though, don't get me wrong, but if we could kind of fleece um, Vancouver for Garland, I think Garland would work perfect on that line. I don't know. I'm cool with Simon getting the shot, though. He's a homegrown kid. We saw him grow up in front of our eyes. It'd be really cool if he panned out. We don't really know what his max ceiling is yet, and we'll find out soon. Hopefully, he's a weird player, but he's looking like the chemistry's starting to grow between him, Barcelona, and Horvat, but he's going to be a little bit tentative and try to get the... Uh, the big guy's the puck, as he probably should. Yep, I like Simon a lot. Um, I didn't want to make too much predictions with Simon because we have to see more of him, but love Simon. Thought he was really good tonight. Uh, Jake, you want to take it to Bridgeport quick before we wrap? Yeah, Bridgeport started their season last night on the road against the um, Rochester, no, Rochester Americans versus the Sabres mid-AHL uh, team. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. True. Um, so the game went to overtime. They won 4-3 in overtime. Uh, the goal scorers were Dennis Cholowski, Wilson Ishikov, uh, Arnold Durando, and Ishikov again. Ishikov got two points, uh, three points, two goals, one assist. Brian Pinho had four assists. Um, Matt Madrew got a point. Really good puck movement on that goal. Maybe that's just how Kowalski ball works. Uh, I have no idea. Um, Cholowski is a good AHL player, as we all foresee. Uh, they lost today 4-2 against the Syracuse Crunch. Uh, Pinho scored, and Jackson Cates scored. Both were assisted by Ruslan Ishikov. Uh, good player, so that's five points in two games for Ishikov. Isaiah George scored in overtime. Uh, he's been racking up a few points for the London Knights. I believe Odelia started the other day. He got his first assist today, and I, don't, I think that's it. Um, home opener is a week away for Bridgeport, if any of you want to go. And... Uh, that's about it. Yeah, I started, I watched the end of last night's game against the uh, the Amherst, and they were pretty good. Um, I was happy with them. You know, Kowalski seems like he's playing a very higher speed game, and I think Pinho is a good first-line center, better than what Otto was giving them, and, uh, you know, not to slander Andrioff or Terry, but... <laughs> hey! I'm not, I, did, I said not to, not slandering, but... Andrioff was, like, third in scoring last year. Yeah, yeah, no, no, he was good, but, like, if you're putting... I think putting Pinho with some of the kids is beneficial to them um, that we haven't really seen with anyone because he's, like, a probably, you know, an AHL-plus guy who could make an NHL roster at this point or at some point, uh, you know, really helping the kids in the AHL, and that might earn him a call-up Hudson Fashing style. Uh, but we're going to just keep our eye on that and keep following Bridgeport as they have an intriguing start to their season. Fritz was sick, so he missed out uh, this week. That's why he wasn't involved. I, I really hope we don't see Brian Pinho at UBS Arena as a New York Islander this year. That would suck. There's a lot of centers I'd rather, there's a lot of centers I'd rather call up than Brian Pinho. No really? I'd, yeah, call, I'd, I'd, call, I'd call up Kuhlman over him. Who? Brian Kuhlman at center. Yeah, he does yeah. play center. He can win faceoffs. Yeah. Um, so. Brian Pinho, with all due respect to him, is um kind of a clean shit. Uh, Brian Pinho is Shane Pinto at home version. If you guys get the meme, you know. Oh, I want Shane Pinto. We have Shane Pinto at home. It's Brian Pinho. That's kind of all I got. I'm gas. It is almost one I am. Yeah, we've been all over the world today and I still gotta do a little bit of traveling left. So we will wrap the podcast here. Thanks for making it to the end with us guys. You can follow AJ on Twitter at DeVito Hockey. You can follow Jake on Twitter at Prime Jakey. You can follow myself on Twitter at Ramar and you can follow the podcast on Twitter at Skates and Stakes. 
I really appreciate you guys listening tonight. We'll give you guys another episode later in the week. The Islanders' schedule is fighting us pretty hard right now. Um, They were the last team in the NHL to start. Uh, So we've been waiting to get an episode out all week. We didn't forget about you guys. We love you guys. And we'll keep uh, giving you guys pods as we go along. You know, this week is going to be brutal, too. They have a game on Tuesday. It would be great to record a podcast on Wednesday. But psych, there will only be one game to talk about. So, you know, we'll try to get you one for Friday night against the Devils. But we'll see. We'll we'll keep you guys posted going forward. But excited to go with you guys this season. Uh, let's go, Islanders, baby. Love you guys. Raw.